You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. We're back on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, live on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. We're a full-service shop yeah. here. We're not just messing around on the radio. Very 21st century. Got a couple of good looking... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it only took 17 years, 18, 18 years, so uh, to do it. But in any event, uh, we roll on. We're hour number three, so thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of comments going on on YouTube, uh, if there are, Corey. Fire my way. Well, no, they, they, no, they, no swearing. They're, but, they're, they're, uh, the comments are about me in a suit jacket. They haven't really seen this before, so... They were uh, commenting on the the executive being He's dressed up. He's part of the up. team. He's part of the team. I'm part of the crew. You know. You what look saying? like an executive today. Thank with, you. With I appreciate that, uh, Rich. I, I'm just trying to make it. If you want to tweet Corey and uh, grade his jacket choice, sure. go to it's not, I'm, it's not, I'm not Emory Hunt or Joe. No. <laughs> go, to, go to Twitter at the Fantasy Exec and tell him what you think of his I'll jacket. I'll start buying some more though, and then I'll come do the show with you guys on Saturday morning. I'll be all dressed up and spiffy too. So. Um, I, to recap, Joe, Joe Lisi and Rich Germanella are here. They're normally with us every Saturday during the college football season on College Football Today. They do that from 9 to 12. You can also found on Dish, and uh, they do a great job. Uh, lots of great guests that you have on each and every week. You guys have been doing this uh, for quite a long time. Rich, you're director of the college uh, Maxwell Awards. That uh, f- Those festivities are taking place next week? Uh, it's actually March the 9th in Atlantic City at the Tropicana. We'll be honoring our Maxwell Award winner, which is Baker Mayfield. He'll be in the, in the casino. And uh, on the Bednarik side is Minka Fitzpatrick, the uh, hybrid defensive back from Alabama. Nice. You might hit a home run with that one, blew it. Yeah. So uh, I love Minka. Segway. He's my, he's my favorite. Uh I think he's my favorite guy in the draft. We're going to talk linebackers and D-backs really? in just a moment. Really? Your favorite guy in the whole draft, man. Yeah, lives, yeah. Look, you know, we all, look, I'm a, Harold Landry, obviously the BC connection. I'm going to yeah. root for him, but he's my favorite guy to watch in the draft the quarterbacks they are what they are like i'm starting to think that they're all right next to one another uh but when i watched alabama play he was my favorite guy to watch he jumped off the screen almost every time i know he's a local guy we're here in manhattan uh you guys are both jersey guys and make us a jersey guy so it's nice to see him get some publicity and he looks like it's really going to pay off he's a lock Locked in top ten pick. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, so. I, I mean, he's like a Jabril Peppers from last year. He can play any position. And the one thing about Micah Fitzpatrick that even Rich will tell you as well is that his ability to tackle in space, especially in today's NFL, from a defensive back perspective, that's it's not just coverage ability. His ability to wrap up and not create yards after the catch is a main reason why he'll translate to the next level, as well as playing every every position on the defensive backfield. Where do you see him locking in? Since we're on Minka, where do you see him locking in? Some people have suggested he could move up to linebacker, safety corner. A lot has been thrown around regarding him. So where do you see him locking in, Joe? I I think he's exactly like Jabril Peppers. He's not as physically built. Jabril Peppers was a bigger physical uh, specimen. He's a, a lankier type of player. But again, he can gain 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. The way he's used in run support, he creeps up on the line of scrimmage. You could use him as a spy on a mobile quarterback like a Deshaun Watson. So that's going to be his game. But his his ability in bump and run coverage and his ability to locate the football in big games is second to none in this draft. Yeah, this is this is this Indianapolis coach should probably do this right here. They have so many needs. I mean, they literally could go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, but this right, so you got Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is in that division. You feel what I'm saying? You got yeah. to go against him twice, and you need big time playmakers like this kid right here. I think this has got to be the pick for the for Indy. Uh, I could see that. I asked. I don't remember if I asked either of you guys, but uh, one of the shows that I did on a Saturday show that I do on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I do a fine I, job with it too. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate it. As you do each and every day it's, on your it's various all shows. day long. Fantasy, <laughs> Fantasy Sports Today, yes. Roto Experts Podcast, Going for the Green. Was that what it's called? The Three on the Par. Three on the Par is the television show, the program we do. Uh, but we uh, get ready show. for the golf show every week. Yeah. So well, listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Corey golf talking golf. golf. Game. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I, I 
I probably overrated him when I was talking about it, but I wondered aloud if Minka was actually the best player in the draft overall. Now, you've said it's Lamar Jackson. Who is your number one player overall? Forget needs. Yeah, if I, if I think about a decade from now, who has piled up the most Pro Bowls yeah. as a barometer? It's Quentin Nelson, and it's everybody else. I mean, he is so uh, the offensive lineman, the guard from Notre Dame. Quite frankly, Nelson, also a local kid from the state of New Jersey, he could play any position along the offensive line. He's a bully. He's assertive. He will absolutely manhandle opposing players. We'll start in year one. I'll say pro bowler by year two or three. I think he's the safest, best pick in the 2018 NFL draft. And you think it's Lamar right now, your number one overall player? I'm going off athleticism and hugest upside where I think if a team gives Lamar Jackson the ability to play quarterback, I I, I still think it's Lamar Jackson. Last year I I said it was Deshaun Watson and Jabril Peppers wasn't that far off with Deshaun. Jabril Peppers I think will progress in year number two. So I'm, I'm all in with Lamar Jackson. His ability at the quarterback position, we haven't seen it since Michael Vick. And as long as the team gives him an opportunity, I think he's going to make a team very happy in the NFL. So at the various mock drafts I've seen, the first player at these two positions, linebacker or D-back, off the board in just about all of them, is Minka Fitzpatrick that we've been talking about. The safety, listed as safety as Alabama, as you're saying, bump and run coverage. He can, he can move him around. Look, there's... There was talk of Jalen Ramsey when he came in. They weren't sure exactly where he might play. He's obviously proven himself to be a lockdown corner uh, at the next level. So next guy I'm seeing, uh, since we're talking about two different uh, position groups, Denzel Ward, cornerback from Ohio State. You see him creeping into the, into the top ten in a lot of drafts. Rich, your thoughts on him? Outstanding athlete, uh, tremendous straight-line speed. You know, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds when you start uh, – talking to scouts but very soft hips which mean which means he can sort of swivel quickly and get back into coverage he's not stiff he's an agile athlete i worry uh, just a little bit about the physicality is he physical enough is he big enough to be an outside cornerback or is he somebody you move into the slot at this point but denzel ward uh, the next in a long long line of great ohio state defensive backs next level ohio state defensive backs i think he's going to rise Mike over the coming weeks and I think he'll be in the first half of the first round yeah I, I see uh, Denzel Ward Josh Jackson you're right that first half of the first round a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they need help on the back end of that defense I think one of these uh, one of these two corners ends up in Tampa Tampa and uh, Tennessee need mm-hmm. help Tennessee did address it last year so they probably don't go first round with Adore Jackson they probably don't address that in the first round but they're a team that still does need help and look he was a rookie last year they 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 signed Logan Ryan. It's not really working out. They're still getting burned on the outside, but I like that call. Tampa really does need help there. Um, let me switch positions. I'll go back and forth a little bit here. So linebacker, Jermaine Edmonds is the name that we've seen. Uh, some people call him a defensive end, but uh, right now he probably slots in as an off outside linebacker. Joe, your thoughts on how good a player he can be. Is he a pro bowl perennial type of guy? I think he is. I, I mean, but I, th- I don't think you're number one. I think two, three years out, I think he needs to gain some size playing with Bud Foster. He's solid in run support, so I think that'll translate to the next level, and he, you could be utilized in terms of pass coverage ability. Guy I like on the outside as well, uh, we, we've spoken about him, uh, is Roquan Smith. I mean, there's a guy that is a dominant, dominant outside linebacker that can pass you know cover people in the flat in the short to intermediate passing game did it in the playoff win over Oklahoma with Rodney Anderson Roquan Smith I mean is the elite outside linebacker in this draft inside I like Josie Jewell from Iowa he's a guy that to me in run support you look at Iowa linebackers playing for Kirk Ferentz an NFL type of coach just like Nick Saban Josie Jewell is always around the football like Keekly uh, for for Boston College and Carolina the Bay Area teams need both the Bay Area teams need uh, outside linebackers, yeah. and I think uh, Roquan will end up. Where Roquan and um, what's, what's your, Edmonds, Edmonds, yeah. Edmonds, I think those are two spots where you can see those players end up at uh, right back to back with that on that nine on that nine ten pick. I think both of them can go take those linebackers. You, Corey, you mentioned Mike Jack, Josh Jackson earlier. Uh, a couple of other corners and safeties to keep in mind. Derwin James is a guy who obviously. He was talked about a lot because he stopped playing and he was talking about protecting himself, which I'm actually not critical of at all. If you're in that position and your season has gone by the wayside, I suggest you do protect yourself. Uh, So Derwin James, 
currently ranked about the number two safety, Josh Jackson. Mike Hughes, a corner out of UCF. UCF, obviously, with a great season this year. How do you see those guys fitting in at the NFL level? Uh, to me, the drop-off from Minka to Derwin James is nominal. I don't see a mm. tremendous amount of difference. Derwin, uh, I look at similarly uh, to, to Jalen Ramsey, also a Florida State product. Derwin is very long, very versatile, can play corner, can play safety. He's a ball hawk, did not play well in his return from injury last year. That would be my one concern. He was a little bit disinterested. I have no problem with kids protecting their causes either. I have no problems with kids sitting out bowl games, meaningless bowl games. I agree. To me, you're not worth the risk. I think it's an absurdity that some kids are forced to play and risk injury. Uh, so I have no problem with Derwin James in terms of his uh, his. 2017 season the skill level is tremendous uh i've talked to coaches at florida state he's a leader in the locker room Uh, he is an alpha male in the locker room so other seminoles gravitate towards him i like that about him as well as well i think he has pro bowl potential so minka but the drop off to derwin i think is very small joe you feel the same way i'm not sold i mean I understand what Rich is saying. The one problem I have with Derwin James is that after DeAndre Francois went down in in week number one, he seemed, from a defensive perspective, to throw in the towel. So it wasn't so much at the end of the season where, you know, they're not going anywhere. They're 6-6 and in the bowl game. That team as a whole quit, I felt. Once James Blackman took over after that loss to Alabama, you're talking about a Florida State defense that only had nine interceptions as a defensive unit, gave up 199 passing yards per game and gave up a lot of big plays. Pop in that NC State game when James Blackman made his first career start. They gave up big plays to NC State in the passing game with Ryan Finley. Derwin James gave up huge pass plays in that ball game. That's what I look at. I look at the tape. I like McFadden. He I like quit, McFadden. though. You, I don't like him. Don't no, like, like McFadden. Like McFadden, McFadden. Is one, McFadden is one of my most overrated really? See, defensive backs. We differ on that one. Yeah, I, like I, I, I think he was splashy in 2016 yeah. when Derwin James yeah. was out. He had a lot of picks. But I think he's very soft in coverage. Yeah, we'll see. Tarvaris McFadden. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of these dudes, I, these players, these secondary players from Florida State, they come mm-hmm. to the next level and they hit. I, these are some things that's going to talk about at the combine, NC sure. State game. Like, why'd you quit? Why'd you quit when the quarterback went down? Right. You figure you wasn't going to have a good season. These are questions that's going to be asked. But a little bit later on in the draft, they need to retool in Seattle, and they need to uh, they start upgrading that secondary. Legion of Boom starting to get older now. They're going to be losing players on that defense. I think Duran James gets in the locker room like that. I think he can be a Pro Bowler. He there's a he has. Five star recruit, five yeah, star ability. Thing. Can that translate? Can he? You don't like that he quit? Not, I don't like that. Yeah, I, feel I mean, you. Jabril Peppers. You're talking about a, a guy that was asked to move from the safety position mm. to outside linebacker. He didn't say a peep, and yet all he did was produce and became a top ten pick. So or a top twenty pick. So for me, that's what I look at. You might have the elite talent, but what do you do when a coach or a team? faces adversity, especially on the next level. It's not just the quarterback, it's the defensive players as well. How do you respond? What is your resolve? And that's why I have concerns about Derwin James from that aspect. The 2017 Philadelphia Eagles are a primary example. They lost elite player after elite player, quarterback position, left tackle, middle linebacker, and there they were, hoisting up the Lombardi Trophy at the end. That are wasn't we... a dream? No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Dallas fans. <laughs> that, was that was not, not a dream. That was that would not be a, a nightmare, dream. I think, for a Cowboy fan. It was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was. It's a vocal fan base in Philly. So, uh, tough one to hear. So, the Lions, I think, are a team that needs a ton of help at corner for this reason. They have the lockdown corner with Darius Slay. They just franchised Ziggy Ansah. They pay Matt Stafford in excess of $26 million. There's four places in the NFL that you want to spend money. Quarterback, left tackle, where they have with Taylor Decker. They have Ansa. They have Slay. Now they need some cheaper alternatives at these positions in order to piece this team together. They're one of the few teams that are probably, you could say, locked in at those four positions. So they're going to probably draft a defensive back specifically at corner to be opposite Slay. The rookie's going to have to take his lumps, but uh, it could be one of these guys that we're talking about. I can see about. them going off as a line there, too, especially in the first. I can see the Lions going O-line. I would say so. You know, the Lions are a funny team because they are going 8-8, eight, 9-7 eight, and, and seven every year, and I do think that the team is cursed in having Matt Stafford yeah. for this reason. He's a really good player, but he's not 
the elite quarterback level. I know that phrase is overused, but I don't consider him to be there. I would like to have Matthew Stafford, though. I, you know, I, I do think yeah. he's a really good player, and he's one of the few QBs that you can point to where he went number one overall. He got bashed a lot. He got hurt. They were losing a ton. And you've seen him get through all of that and progressively yep. get he better lost, over the lost, course of his career. He lost Calvin Johnson. You know, that's, yeah. that's a big thing right there, too. I think that firing the head coach and bringing in Matt Patricia, I think that's going to be a mistake. Um, I didn't like the old head coach. I don't, I'm not sold on Patricia yet as a head coach, but I got to see, you know. Yeah. I never, like, we, you guys know this, too especially when it comes to like SEC country, everybody's convinced that the guy that they have right now is wrong for the team. <laughs> and you don't know what the next guy's going to yeah, bring. Like, right. yeah, maybe Ed Orgeron does work out, but they still can't throw the ball, right? Or develop a quarterback. Right. Yeah. They just, every year, like nobody knows if the coaches are going to work out. They, they're, they're convinced that the guy is wrong. They fire him. They bring in a new guy, and it doesn't work out. Or the guy's involved in a scandal, or whatever. You know, it's just it's just kind of funny. Uh, I I think with the Lions, their biggest problem is that they leave it up to Stafford in the fourth quarter all the time. They lose close game after close game after close game. How about giving him a running back? I know. Yeah, I know. They don't. They they drafted the tackle, Theo Riddick, right? Which Amir Abdullah. Like I thought, all these guys would be fine. But why can't the Lions just trade for Wayne Gallman? That's what I. Uh, (laughs) It all comes back to Wayne Gallman. Nice callback. That would solve their issues. Right. It's sixty-seven games in a row without a hundred-yard rusher. I believe it's unbelievable. They need a running game in Detroit. Yeah, you're right. So interior off. Offensive line is a way to go, too, which is a good segue because we're going to talk line play next. Uh, we got a couple of segments left. The last segment, we'll, we'll kind of play hot potato, get your hot and cold guys, get your, anybody that we didn't mention today. Uh, but next, we'll talk offensive line and defensive line, uh, which doesn't come up on the fantasy radar that much, but it's near and dear to my heart because I write our extensive yes. offensive line article every summer and grading the offensive lines and trying to point out how that could impact your fantasy season. Uh, if you listened to me last summer, I would have told you to be to not be as high on Joe Mixon as most people were. I would have told you to avoid the Seattle running game and the Giants running game. I can't get them all right. I just happen to get those right. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about those offensive linemen like Quentin Nelson in the next segment, Mike McGlinchke, a few other guys on the defensive line. That will be interesting. So we roll on with college football today in hour number three. Offensive lineman and defensive lineman next on College Football Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back on the NFL Draft Combine special on college football today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you want to hit us up on social media, please do so at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blue at Joe Lisi is at Go for the Two, the number two. Rich Ciarmanello is at Rich Ciarmanello. That's C I R M I N I E L L O. And Corey Parson is at the Fantasy Exec. And one more thing to talk about is if you love. Drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The Fan Control Football League is bringing fantasy sports in Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and more. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing seven-on-seven fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production studio built for a digital audience. 
this is the next generation of fantasy football where fans get rewarded for dominating through the league's proprietary fan token. To learn more about fan token and the FCFL, visit fcfl.io. Corey, you play Madden? Uh, I used to back. I haven't played in probably maybe over a decade now, but I was a big Madden player back when I was in like in college and stuff like that. Back in the day, you guys yeah. video, you guys gamers. You look like two gamers. <laughs> I would say back in the day. NCAA football. Oh, really? That's it. I was a big NCAA guy, too. We that was still, good. Still I used to love now. NHL hockey was my yeah. favorite. I'm Tech, not a big Tech hockey Mobile. fan. Oh, and really? yeah. yeah, back in the day. Old yeah. No, I know you still play now, though. You still play now? Nothing? No. no. No time for it now, right? Which one? Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen I it. hung them up after college. Rich I played a ton of Madden and a ton of NHL hockey and a ton of NCAA football. I did a ton of other stuff in college, too. <laughs> he's going to be trying to get you for the rest of the show. I, 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 I sense like got a, him on the golf no, thing. He's going to try to get you for the I next 40 I think a Pong comment was coming no, at that point. I was going to say, after we do the show on Saturday, ColecoVision. he runs home. Coleco. And <laughs> in television. What was the little the, game? That we, yeah. Yeah, the what was that thing? I can't remember the name I of it. I actually played that game. Thing, yeah. so. I don't remember the name I had that too. So, anyway. I don't know. Good times, Mike. Yeah, good times. So, we roll along. We're going to talk about offensive and defensive line. And just because this could impact your team, uh, it could obviously impact fantasy in a in a significant way. Like for example, what Corey's talking about with the Lions. What if they do draft an interior offensive lineman, or they get uh, somebody to to uh, help out Taylor Decker? Is that right, Taylor Decker? Yeah, Taylor Decker is uh, their left tackle. Mm-hmm. He was out for four or five months this year. Their running game was hurt again because of that. This could make somebody valuable, whether it's Amir Abdullah or Theo Riddick, even more valuable than he's been. Or if they draft somebody, um, it really can swing a lot of the fantasy season. There's teams like the Browns and the Bengals and the Seahawks and the Giants that are going to continue to try and overall uh, their offensive line and, and protect their quarterbacks and, and open holes for the running backs. So with that being said, uh, a few guys on the offensive line. Uh, you started with Quentin Nelson. He's your favorite player. He's a guy. You So you consider him sort of like a John Ogden-type prospect where you know when he's coming out, this guy's going yeah. to Pro Bowls, and he's going to be looking at the Hall of Fame. I, I was going to say uh, David DeCastro in terms yeah. of the style of play, just the bully mentality, that uh, that aggressiveness, that desire to finish. He's a finisher. I love those types of offensive linemen. That would be Quentin Nelson. Uh, after Nelson, I'm a big Connor Williams fan at Texas. Uh, agile, left tackle, uh, struggled a bit with injuries last year, but has been productive throughout his career. I like his background. He's somebody who's humble. Despite his size, he was a kid that was bullied when he yeah. was younger. So he has a little bit of a um, a little bit of a two-star mentality and a five-star talent. You, you agree with everything he said yeah, on Nelson? I, I, I like Nelson's upside as well. I yeah. mean, it's a couple of other guys that you can mention. Uh, win from Georgia's a, a guy, a prospect. Isaiah Wayne. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they really had a great college football playoff. You look at Georgia's ability to run the football over 250 yards per game. They rushed for 14 uh, games last year where they rushed for over close to 200 yards. 12 of the 14 over 200 yards. I mean, and Isaiah Wynn was a big reason why. Orlando Brown as well yeah. uh, from uh, Oklahoma. Big body yeah. if it's Oklahoma offense alignment on the next level. And McGlinchey. I mean, he's another guy. I think he's a little stiff. I mean, have you, what do you think? I mean, it, sometimes though, sometimes being 6'8 yes. when you're an offensive lineman is not the best thing. I mean, you was 6'5, 6'6, but McGlinchey is so big. I don't know what your feelings, Corey, are about those tall offensive linemen. It but make, it's, it's interesting. I think it's a leverage Problem. Yeah, and then, and then I think it's uh, what does the O line coach want? What right. is the what does the offensive coordinator want? How does the running scheme dictate to it? So I like Orlando Brown too. I think he could be the best, yeah. but that six eight does scare me. What about the guy from our Mississippi State ranking? Yeah, Martinez Rankin is one of those guys that I expected more last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the expectations going into last season is that he was going to be one of those sleeper offensive linemen. His trajectory still has him ascending. I think he's headed in the right yeah. direction, Martinez Rankin, but I don't expect him to be a starter from day one. Okay. I, I think he's more of a year two, year three type of a project. So uh, James Daniels from Iowa, Will Hernandez from UTEP, Billy Price from Ohio State are some more interior offensive linemen that we've seen uh, maybe rank up towards these top five. And, you know, how many guys out of this group do you see going in the first round? We don't typically see centers go in the first round. 
guards are less likely to go high in the draft, but Quentin Nelson is such a unique prospect, he will go in the top ten picks of this draft. It seems like a, a certainty. So how about some of those other guys? First-round grades on those? I don't think so. I don't think they're first-round material. I mean, when you look at last year's draft, Forrest Lamp, the reason why he was taken so high in, in the draft is his conditioning and big play ability in terms of being able to run uh, sideline to sideline at his size. You look at some of the other guys that you just mentioned, from a productivity standpoint, I think they're system guys. Uh, again, I think if you're going to look at a lower schools in terms of outside the Power 5 conference, the one area where you could pick up quality NFL players is on the offense and defensive lines. We see it each and every year. So reaching up for the three players that you mentioned, I, I wouldn't do it at this point, especially top 10, top 20 picks. Yeah. And when you look at centers as well, Mason Cole from Michigan is a guy, Will Clapp from LSU. Uh, those are two guys that I think translate. And Arkansas, Frank Ragnow yeah. did not have a great 2017 season. However... I think he translates not just to the center. He can play guard. He can play possibly tackle, which makes him an, a valuable commodity when you look at versatility in the NFL draft. Well, quickly, Mike, I would say uh, Billy Price, James Daniels, two Big Ten centers. I think they both go in the second round. Uh, Billy Price, I love what he does in the weight room. I, he's somebody I'm going to watch on the bench. Very uh, Jim Rat, very tough, very strong. I think he's great at the uh, point of attack. But they're second rounders. Will Hernandez is an interesting player because he was miscast. This was a Conference USA offensive lineman that belonged in the Big 12 or the Pac-12. I mean, he dominated from the moment he got to El Paso, was well better than that competition. He is, just a comparison, he's a poor man's Quentin Nelson because he's extremely strong at the point of attack, plays with a nasty demeanor. That mindset that he has at the point of attack, Will Hernandez is not your typical UTEP minor, not your typical Conference USA player. He could be a late first-round pick, in my opinion, because because of what he does uh, in the run game. Yeah, much to Rich's point as well. Look at David Andrews from Georgia. I mean, he was a solid contributor. He fell. I mean, he fell almost to the seventh round, I believe, right? I mean, that's where he was drafted. He's the starting center for the for, for the Patriots last year. People were saying, where did he come from? A productive starter that wasn't named with some of the top ten talent from a draft or a combine perspective. But it's understanding their capability and versatility is why these guys will make it in the league. The Patriots have a way of doing that with offensive linemen. They they do reclamation projects. They take late round picks and they they coach them up. That's a really the most unique thing about the Patriots system. They they do a very good job of knowing what players are going to fit what it is they do, and it doesn't matter really what your resume looks like when it comes to the Patriots, especially at offensive line. There's a variety of different ways they've gone. Yeah, there's a variety of different ways they've gone. Sebastian Vollmer was a high pick. You're talking about a seventh-round pick. They've got reclamation projects on that offensive line that have been productive. So, Corey, everybody needs a left tackle. Uh, Well, most teams need a left tackle that they can rely on. So, you know, what teams do you see? Let's talk about teams where they could need help at the offensive line spot and could really help them. I've mentioned a few obvious ones. Giants, Seahawks, Bengals. They're Colts. in desperate need. Colts. Colts, definitely. They, they got to they figure that offensive line out because you can't have a talent like Andrew Luck and then nobody to protect him. You know, you, you bought the house, now go buy the insurance policy. The Denver Broncos have interesting scenarios too. Absolutely. Because they need some help along the offensive line. But do you go O-line in the first round of your so Denver or do you go quarterback? So the, the Denver is, I think, a real key to this draft and the way these first 10 picks will fall because if Denver wins the Cousins sweepstakes, they will absolutely draft offensive mm-hmm. line. If they lose out, Denver's stuck. They've drafted more quarterbacks in the first round than any team in the league since 2012. They've drafted, no, wow. in the draft since 2012. They've drafted five quarterbacks since the 2012 draft. None of them are starters that they believe in. It's Simeon, it's Lynch. Lynch is a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, they already seem to be casting him aside, especially if they get involved. I mean, they should. If they, if they don't believe in him, they should go with Cousins and move on. Do they draft another rookie, though? I'm seeing mock drafts where Baker Mayfield goes there. I'm seeing mock drafts where Darnold goes there. Josh Rosen, where Rosen goes well. there. Yeah. I mean, that's why this is going to take some time to... The Cousins sweepstake is, is interesting and in how it will impact this offensive line because it's down to, it seems like, the Jets in Denver. Yeah. And if Denver Minnesota's does making a push. And Minnesota uh, could make a push, right, too. I, I've thought that that's the team that he should go to. I think it gives them the best chance, but they have too many defensive players that have to play in the, pay in the next two, three years, so that'll make it difficult. But uh, 
that's the point. Uh, the, the Cardinals really also, the, the Denver, the Broncos, the Cardinals. The need Cardinals help. just released two offensive linemen in the last week. My, Mike Ayupati, really towards the end of his career. Uh, and I don't. The Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. Uh, and the Bengals, yeah. The Bengals have tried a variety of different guys that are just not working out. So, And when they find a good one, the contract, they're not going to pay him anyway. That's true. Is, is Case Keenum not the answer in Minnesota? Case, I mean, they got Case Keenum. You still have Bridgewater under contract, right. Bradford under contract. Doesn't look like they're going to tag Case Keenum. I think they want to make the big push for Kirk Cousins. Right. But Keenum did a fine job right. by them this year. And I don't think you give up, give up on Teddy Bridgewater yet. Well, let me, let me ask this question to the NFL guys. I don't know the answer. How, how much of a difference is... Cousins to Keenum. What's the gap between those two players? That's a great question. Yeah. I actually think it's pretty significant personally, and I'm not the biggest believer in Kirk Cousins. I just think that relying on Keenum to do what he just did again is a little bit of a fool's errand. I don't believe in the one-hit wonder doing it again. Cousins is a big, he's a big numbers quarterback, yeah. though. He's a numbers quarterback. When he was in positions where they had to get wins, he wasn't able to pull off right. wins. But he can put up phenomenal numbers and, and get big money. So, this about is what are you looking for? You want a numbers quarterback, or you want somebody that can get you wins? Yeah. Like you know, but um, think how much better the supporting cast is in Minnesota compared to where he was in Washington. That would be thrilling for him. Or what the, the Jets? D- or what the Jets have if he winds yeah. up uh, in New York? Yeah. Well, right. they, they got some pieces in New York too. It's interesting offense, and then plus they they should make it better this year. Um, I think those are the three teams though, because I think, I think the Cleveland's Jets are the out. favorite. I think the Jets are the favorite. I think the Jets are the favorite. I think the Jets go and get They him. just released Muhammad Wilkerson, mm-hmm. too, by the way, which opens Saw up that. even more money. Yeah. They already had the money. Yeah. yeah. Now they have even more. And now if they tag Case, you got to look at Pat Shermer's not there no right. more. Yeah. And Pat Shermer probably was a big part of, of Case Keenum's success last year. And John DeFilippo's the new OC there. He was the quarterback's coach in Philly. So he'll be working with Keenum. It'll be a new, mm. it'll be a new relationship. But I think Bridgewater is going to be the guy. If you just listen to the the conversation we're having about Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins yeah. coming out of college was not an elite quarterback. Marginal, no. marginal, yeah, marginal. Yeah. Uh, Case Keenum, what, from a college record. perspective, System. was a but a better productive quarterback in mm. college. And and still, uh, it, look at how long it took Case Keenum to reach his potential yeah. as a quarterback. Yeah. And when you talk about an impulsive league that just wants to make a decision on a quarterback after one or two years, and you look at some of the starters, Jacoby Brissett struggled at Florida, came to NC State back after Russell Wilson was there. He put up marginal numbers. He's a starter in the NFL mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, and he has potential. They waited on him. So when you look at some of the other quarterbacks that were just so quick to just drop the hook on and pull out, you need to see these guys progress. And which team is w- willing to really roll the dice to play that out? I think Blewett knows where I'm going with this one. I have a quarterback that I think would be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Nobody gives a shot to Colt McCoy. I think oh, 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 It's not a joke. It can't be serious. I Isn't Colt McCoy selling insurance somewhere? No, Colt McCoy's the pack up in DC. I oh, think Colt okay. McCoy can play. I thought you were going to say Brandon Whedon. Not, uh, not, not Brandon Whedon. I've seen him. I don't know. I know he is. Colt McCoy. Kellen Moore. He's the great. Didn't Jerry Jones call Brandon Whedon the greatest thrower of the football? Drew Henson, wasn't he with the Drew Henson, yeah. Thanksgiving Day against the Chicago. Chicago right. Bears quarterback for the boys. Uh, uh, Quincy Carter, shout out to Quincy, shout out to Quincy Carter. That was a rough, rough time in, right. de- in Big D <laughs> yeah, you, when you he know, was a starting QB. But then you hit on Tony Romo, and then you Hutchinson, hit on Prescott. Yeah, so we got, we got a couple of minutes on interior defensive linemen. So we talked about edge rushers and Chubb and Davenport, Key Landry, and the like. Um, Vita Vea, uh, Deron Payne. Deron Payne showed out, obviously, during the college football playoff. Uh, Maurice Hurst from Michigan. Taven Bryan, I've actually seen him creep up into the first round, the very end of the first round with Philly, conceivably. So, thoughts on these guys? Who's the biggest impact player in your mind? I like Payne. Uh, I think Payne is a guy, when you look at his body and his ability, not only to play the inside, but possibly the outside, and his versatility. He's a versatile defensive tackle. The one thing about the defensive tackle position, can they force double teams on the next level like Vince Wolfirk. You're not going to get a lot of sacks. You're not going to get a lot of production statistically, but your ability to create double teams is why linebackers become very productive on the next level. So I like Deron Payne and that ability as well. He's always around the football. Joe, about 30 seconds on somebody that you really yeah, like. Yeah, big fan of Deron Payne. Vita Vea is a freak. He's Danny Shelton 2.0. I, I like Harrison Phillips from Stanford. As yeah. long as he's healthy 
and he had some issues at some point in his career. As long as he's healthy, if you look at what he did last year, led that defense in tackles as an interior lineman. I mean, he has a motor that does not quit. So big Harrison Phillips fan in the right system, uh, I, I think he'll have a great career good stuff so uh we're gonna come back we'll wrap up the show after this uh we're gonna be talking about our our sleepers our most overrated guys but we're gonna wrap up the show after this it's been three hours up and three hours down uh in these next 20 minutes and we'll uh we'll recap it we'll see we'll see who's gonna get all the quarterbacks we'll just map it out for you in the next segment it'll be nice and easy on the nfl combine special on fantasy sports radio network Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Closing out the NFL Draft Combine Special on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I've been here along the way with Rich Germanello, Joe Lisi, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. And uh, we're going to go sort of around the horn, uh, ask a lot of questions about what we think may or may not happen. We'll tie it into some fantasy projections conceivably. But before we do that, I want to tell you about the Rotor Experts exclusive edge package. And every season, there are thousands of players just like you to come to rotoexperts.com to help us make their season a winning season. Talk strategy in our premium Roto Experts Slack channel and get that one-on-one feeling with our award-winning experts. Dominate your draft with the most accurate fantasy baseball rankings led by Jake, the all-in kid Sealy, and Scott, the king angle. You get a draft package, cheat sheet generator, player projections, and much, much more. Oh, and uh, since it is all in the family, we're giving you 20% off dailyroto.com and their DFS products. Powered by millionaire maker winner, Drew Dinkmeyer. Check out our check out check our rotoexperts.com backslash MLB eighteen today and save ten percent with the promo FNTSY. It's not a bad Drew Dinkmeyer's not a bad guy to be. No, it's not. When you get to sell stuff all day, you don't have to read it. <laughs> uh, and then you're a millionaire. Yeah. Off of uh, fantasy sports. Crazy. That's right. DFS millionaire, Drew Dinkmark. Can I ask so, dudes about some running and, backs? And, by the way, the Humanitarian Award winner. That's right. Don't forget for that. FSTA, because you guys may not know. Drew, so, Drew Dinkmeyer runs uh, DailyRoto.com. You go there. It's the best podcast I listen to every week related to sports. Really great DFS information with him and Mike Leone. Uh, you find them on Twitter at um, Drew Dinkmeyer and at Two Hats One Mike, M-I-K-E. So, um, he started a charity. That it was... Charity Water, I believe it was. Yeah. Bottom line, and you can go to his Twitter feed. He raised over forty thousand dollars yeah. for clean drinking water just yeah. in the fantasy community and promoting it heavily. So he got Welly, Welly Maker. Maker. That's it, the Welly Maker. So um, nice. ultimately, uh, I encourage, and he's doing it again. I encourage you to go to his Twitter feed at Drew Dinkmeyer. Find out a little bit more about it. So um, we got all the position breakdowns out of the out of the way. We talked about some players that we really like, some players that maybe we're not so high on, how it can impact the fantasy landscape. So I'm going to throw it out to you, Joe. We'll go a little bit of rapid fire here. Who's somebody that we didn't talk about maybe over the course of these last three hours that you think is a star in the making or can make a real impact here? Well, Rich and I spoke about it. Carry on Johnson for That's Auburn. Right. Uh, here's a guy that led the team with 18 rushing touchdowns, got banged up in against Alabama, banged up in the SEC championship game, and didn't live up to expectations in the loss to UCF. He's a big back. He's a powerful back that could be utilized as even in the short to intermediate yeah. passing game. He's a workhorse, third. 30 carries per day. Uh, I, I like Carryon Johnson he's, on the next uh, level. He, I, he, every, he's, he's very similar to me to Le'Veon Bell. Carryon yes. Johnson. Patient very runner. similar. He's a patient runner. 
that sets up his blocks. And on the next level, that's where I think he'll progress. And Rashad Penny, uh, my guy, uh, Rashad Penny, last five games of the year, over 200 yards, led the nation with 20, uh, over 2,200 rushing yards, 23 rushing touchdowns against Arizona State, 175 yards, against Stanford, 210 yards. They won both of those ball games. He's not a system back like Donnell Pumphrey or Ronnie Hillman. He's more like Marshall Falk than he is both of those backs. Joe, do you... Do you think Penny hasn't been talked about enough because he plays on the West Coast and isn't in a Power Five? Is is that really what led to him yeah, maybe not getting as much credit to this I, point? I also think, to, to Joe's point about Donnell Pumphrey, he was the star in 2016. And despite that fact, you know, Rashad Penny rushed for 1,000 yards yeah. in a complimentary role. I, I think folks just don't know who he is. Could be Mountain West. Could be West Coast. Could be the fact that we've only seen him extensively for, for one year. Um, but I agree with Joe. Versatile. And, and just to kind of piggyback off that in terms of players we haven't talked about, uh, Rashad Penny, great return man. He's a big special yep. teams player. How about Dante Pettis from Washington? No one in the history of the NCAA has ever returned more punts yep. for touchdowns than Dante Pettis. Smooth, you know, he's not going to be the fastest straight line guy, but he's a glider. He sort of just glides through traffic. Yep. Uh, Dante Pettis, whose father was... Gary Pettis, yeah, former Pettis. center fielder, Angels. Gold Glover. Yep. Gary Pettis, uh, Dante. I think will be uh, will be a very very successful NFL player. We haven't talked much about tonight. Corey, who's a guy that you're most excited about for the fantasy landscape? Now the running back class. I guess the one thing we didn't really talk about is how loaded it is. We talked about Saquon having some distance. Maybe Geis is closer than we thought. We just mentioned Penny, uh, and we mentioned Carry On Johnson. Not all these guys are going in the first round, so we're going to see some depth all throughout. So, Corey, you got to be excited about the fact that we're going to we could have a lot of fantasy contributors coming and out. And you got some good year. players too, and they have good skill sets. Obviously, everybody coming out now is able to catch the football. That's almost a must for a running back when you transition to the next level and on uh, the ability to uh, run the ball strong near the goal line. I think Ridley's going to be in a good spot wherever he lands up. I really think he's going to have a good opportunity to make an instant impact. When you see his game, you're going to be shocked. I want to ask you guys, though. They are the running back in Miami, Mark um, Walton. Walton. I like him. What do you think? Sold. I'm sold on him. You don't like him? You are sold or you yeah, would sell? I would sell Mark okay. Walton. I don't think he's an elite back. I mean, okay. I, I don't think he's even Duke Johnson uh, for mm. Cleveland. So uh, if you're comparing Mark Walton to Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, in my opinion, are much more explosive back, especially in the short to intermediate passing game. So... Uh, you had, you had mentioned Dion Lewis earlier yes. in a comparison. I actually see For, Mark Walton and Dion really? Lewis okay. being similar. He's not yeah. a big back. I'm not sure if you want to hand him the ball 25 to 30 times. Was injured last right. year. Was replaced by the kid Travis Homer down at Miami. But uh, I like Mark Walton. He slithers in and out of space. He's quick. He accelerates. He's not going to be a 4-4 guy. But I think he could be a productive 10 to 15 carry uh, a game guy. So we talked way back at the beginning of the show, almost three hours ago, we talked about there should be four or five quarterbacks drafted here. It's going to be difficult to figure out right now where these guys are going. So, Corey, you're participating in some drafts where you're pro- people are probably taking guesses in some of these rookies because yeah. the interesting thing is, regardless of the fact that we don't know where they're going to go, I think as many as five rookies could be starting next year early. Yeah, I think that could be the case also. And as far as from what I'm seeing on draft boards right now, I believe I, uh, in round eight is where I've, I'm looking right now in round eight. This is this is draft champions format, so the quarterbacks push up the board. But probably about the sixth rookie off the board is where you should see your first quarterback. Obviously, Barkley. Then I think you see about five more rookies go. Uh, Calvin Ridley would be one of them. Darius Geis will likely be one. And I think that sixth or seventh rookie to go off the board is probably going to be Lamar Jackson. We had an interesting situation last year in fantasy where we had a few rookies go pretty early. Like we had Fournette and McCaffrey going pretty early at the running back position. I think that's influenced somewhat by the fact that Zeke Elliott was so good out of the gate. Now, Christian McCaffrey running the ball wasn't as impressive as some people wanted, but that's not really why you would have drafted him. You had no, to know you that he was that, a versatile guy. You, want, you wanted to get that those receptions. He caught 80 passes this year. 1,100 exactly, all-purpose yards. And that's exactly what you, uh, what fantasy owners were looking for. And I think you have a situation this year where, you, I mean, and well, you had that situation. And Kareem Hunt, once Kareem Hunt, once Spencer Ware went down, you knew Kareem Hunt was going to get a lot of work because Andy Reid runs his running back, runs the offense through his running backs. So much is in, in fantasy is about the system and the head coach. So 
once these guys get on teams, we can start seeing where it's going to be at. That was interesting. For example, if the Detroit Lions drafted running back, that's a person to keep an eye on because the Lions have to get a running game going. Which quarterbacks are being line. drafted first? Who, who In drafts now, is it Lamar that gets drafted the well, highest? Well, right now we're just drafting spots, placeholders, to see what the players end up at. But I would say I would go with Lamar. If Lamar Jackson has the opportunity to be a starting quarterback, I would go with him. His ability to run the football, sure. that's that, if he can run that's for value. 60 to 80 yards a, a week, that's yeah. six to eight fantasy points yeah. right there. 60 to 80 yards, that's like two carries for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. But he does add to it. You know, the funny thing is Bortles has been such a punching bag for a lot of people, but Blake Bortles has been a really good fantasy quarterback for the last three mm-hmm. seasons. A couple of those seasons, he wasn't really playing well at all. Right. This year, he had that month, remember? Like yeah. right before the playoffs, Blake Bortles went crazy for about a month. He had 11 touchdown passes and like no, virtually no turnovers. If you remember his season, you you think back to August, they wanted to, they was going to start Chad Henney. They benched him. They was going to be, they benched him. They was going to start Chad Henney. Jalen Ramsey liked the post on Bleacher Report about repl- people that can replace uh, yeah. Blake Bortles. Allen Robinson cursed him out after he threw the ball out of bounds. And then that same guy took him to the AFC Championship game yeah. and had them and had them in the mix in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, is he their quarterback in twenty nineteen? Uh, if 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 Jackson's there at the end of the first round, I think they take Jackson. I think and I think Blake is going to be have a short leash. I think they won't do it in the first round. I think I think the Jaguars are going to be looking at a QB in that second to fifth round range, somebody that they can that they like long term, but it's likely to be in the second or third round, right? If you like a guy that much, you're going to take him earlier. Yeah, I and much to your point about Jacksonville taking Lamar Jackson, he's a Florida kid. Okay. So it's a perfect fit. I mean, if you're talking Blake Bortles, Lamar Jackson, I'd rather coach up Lamar Jackson with the Jacksonville defense than I would Blake Bortles at this point in his career. I just didn't think Blake Bortles was an elite talent coming out of UCF. I just I think it was a product of the system. I think you're right. (laughs) I think you've proven to be correct. I I mean, you know, but there's other quarterbacks. And the one knock on Rosen, I'll say this. I mean, from day one, he threw 320 yards his first game against Virginia. Everybody wanted to hand him the Heisman Trophy. He has not elevated his team to the next level. He's injury prone. And more importantly, last year, UCLA was 0-6 on the road, 0-4 on the road for Josh Rosen. If you can't beat a team like Arizona on the road with the UCLA yeah. offense, you don't deserve to get You're not winning titles pick. with Josh Rosen, in my exactly. opinion. I mean, he's going to be one of the prettiest passers in Indianapolis. I don't dispute the arm talent. I don't dispute how beautifully the ball comes out of his hands, the tight spirals that he throws. He looks the part, for sure. But oh, if you want to win... You're literally describing Jake Cutler to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Jake Cutler is a is a great comparison because he also has a quirky personality. Yeah, Not necessarily right. a bad thing. That's folks a nice I've, way to say it. Yeah, folks I've talked to, he's a smart kid, comes from a good family, but you know what? When your dad is a surgeon, I hate to say this, but when dad is a surgeon, I don't know how much hunger you mm-hmm. have. I want the kid with the hunger. Jack- you know, I want the kid who, you know what, if he doesn't make it in the NFL, there's going to be real problems. You said Josh the same thing Rosen. last season, last year about McCaffrey. You said the same exact thing. That you didn't know if the hunger was there right. with McCaffrey. He did his job in the NFL, but 3.1 yards per carry. Yeah. That's not – he's a running back. Yeah. I understand he caught 80 passes. You feel what I'm saying? I know what Rich is saying, but I wouldn't dis- I would disagree on McCaffrey only because it's sort of a family affair, right? Clay Matthews okay, uh, on yeah. the baseball side, Aaron Boone, guys like that. I think they there's stay pedigree. hungry because yeah, there's there's pedigree. A pedigree. they're dedicated to the yeah. sport and the yep. success in the sport. Yeah. Um, but Rosen Rosen had a hot but Johnny, dog. Johnny in his, football, by the way, Johnny was, was another guy. Perfect that example. Was, he Rich was family. a he came from a lot of yeah. money, and people were concerned about. And that. oddly enough, just to kind of really throw a monkey wrench into it, uh, Mayfield comes from a relatively wealthy family in Austin. Nick Foles too, actually. But you know what, Mayfield. Then this is the difference between Mayfield and Manziel. Manziel loved what football brought to him. Yeah. Mayfield loves football. Mayfield is passionate about football. He wants to prove those folks wrong that didn't offer him a scholarship coming out of high school. That, to me, is the real wild card in Baker Mayfield. It's a great point because that's where his hunger comes from. He was about to go play at Florida Atlantic, and he was like, I'm not doing that. I'm walking on somewhere, and I'm going to make an impact. And he did it. And a guy who's really not that big, so he's maybe right. got a little. He's not small r- relative no. to us, but he's got maybe a little bit of a small man's complex yep. uh, relative to some of his competition. Are you worried about some of the stuff with Baker? I am attitude stuff. I really? am. I think the one thing for uh, 
quarterback perspective, completion percentage, 70 and 71 back-to-back years. Deshaun Watson had 67% three straight years, better than Eli uh, Manning, better than Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger in their careers, Peyton Manning as well. So from a completion percentage, that's where that's where I think he translates. I think from a body standpoint, Drew Brees. But, but not me, the same pass. The only quarterbacks I really like in this draft are Mayfield and Jackson. I don't really – none of the other ones really interest me at all. Not, not Darnold. Not round. Darnold? Mm-mm. No? Okay. First I like round. Darnold personally. Yeah. I, I, I just think – and you made the point a couple of hours ago about maybe he's not the elite guy, but Darnold's the guy that you can draft right Alex now. And he'll Smith. probably pick it up and, that's and play I, right that's Well, here's, here's a question. I think he could be better than that. People have brought this up to me. When it comes to Darnold and USC quarterbacks in general – is it too cushy a situation at USC, weather never a factor, always surrounded by some of the best talent on the West Coast? You know, it's an ideal situation to be matriculating. It's perfect. You went to school close to home yeah, almost exactly. every time. Yeah, exactly. Is it too and perfect? So in other words, if you put him in, you know, Cleveland or Arizona. Or East, and, East Lansing. Or I'm saying like in East Lansing for Kirk Cousins yes, sort of built up that toughness. Exactly. The bowl game versus Ohio State. He stunk. Offensive line though was banged up. I mean, that was against a, Penn an State issue. a year earlier. His first year as a starter, he was but terrific. But Ohio but, State puts their yeah. entire secondary in the NFL, well, that's, that's, and we saw Deshaun Watson drop right. thirty-five on them with no problem. Donald looked like he, he didn't was, have a good year, Corey. Yeah. There's not, I don't think there's no, but he any found denying. a way to get wins. Okay, he found a way to beat Texas. Everybody's talking me up on Donald. I, I, I think I think I don't like him at all. I, I don't think honest, he's a slam dunk, but I, honestly, I. I, I think he's the first guy I would take. All right, I'm Jackson. Quarterback-wise. Lamar Jackson. And I'll say Rashad Penny is the next Todd Gurley on the next Oh, wow. Team. But you don't really think oh, there's any way. Cut that, point, cut that up. Point fantasy. Wait, Rashad cut that Penny up. is the... Todd Gurley. He runs like... T- that's the comparison. Uh, Joe Todd coming Gurley. in hot with I got to give you one more because I feel like we should have talked more about Sonny Michelle. I know you liked him a lot, he's but... He's the Alvin Kamara, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree 60. with that, that comparison? Uh, yeah, I like I like Sonny Michelle. We, had, we didn't talk enough about Nick Chubb because I think despite the fact that Michelle will be, in my opinion, the better of the Georgia backs. I don't think you could discount Nick Chubb. I mean, he's a real grinder. He's a workhorse between the tackles. And the way he bounced back off of that serious knee injury yeah. took a year for him to really kind of right. get comfortable. But last year, he proved that he's ready to be an yeah. NFL back. Well, Frank, Frank Gore had two ACL injuries good comparison. In, in Miami, yeah. and right. he lasted 14 years. And he's still, still got done. Yeah. yeah, he's still going. He's, he's not raising the white flag. Jonathan Stewart. That's that's, that's who yeah. I compare Nick Chubb to. Who was just cut. Nine, Jonathan Stewart years. was just cut today, that's and, he could, and he could he could conceivably get a job. Oh, he some, will somewhere else. He too, will. So. Well, that's it, folks. That was three hours up and three hours down. We appreciate you watching on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. And we will be airing this show on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network throughout the Combine weekend. So you can check in on the Combine, check in with uh, hot takes, cold takes, and the four of us. For, for, Cor- for Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, and Rich Germanella and Joe Lisi, co-hosts of College Football Today, I'm Mike Blewett. We'll see you around. Thanks for watching. We'll be coming back to you with more draft coverage throughout this process so you hear from the four of us in the future. Thanks for listening. We're out.